Amen. And I know that that's just an extension of your pastors here. Amen. We're so grateful for Pastor Stevon and Sister Chale. Amen. Are you grateful for your pastors? Amen. And I thank God for them, for the opportunity to be here this morning. I want you going to take your seats right there, and I'm going to have my wife share a word of greeting this morning. Amen. Amen. I just want to thank God for my salvation. And Sister Chella and Pastor Estevan, we love your pastors very much. Amen. And we're just excited to be here. Aren't we part of the best ministry in the world? That any city, any country you can go into and you have family there. Amen. I don't know about you, but when I came to Victory Outreach, I was 18 years old, broken, hooked on crystal meth, had no direction, depressed, but God changed my life. He took me into the women's home. They're 18 years old, amen? Never knew God, but there he touched and he changed my life, amen? And if he did it for me, he can do it for anyone, the people of Hayward, amen? So if you're believing for a young person, for a loved one, God is able, amen? And now we find ourselves eight years later, my husband and I being able to be a part of the West Coast Urban Training Center. And I'll tell you, amen, I'm loving this season of my life that God has brought us in because we're seeing young people coming into the training center, finding their calling, internalizing the vision, learning to hear the voice of God. Come on, isn't that exciting? This is the generation that's going to rise up and take this ministry 50 more years, amen. And we have one of your very own there right now. We have Miss Daisy there, amen. So there's exciting things taking place in the training centers. And once again, we are just excited and thank you for the love and we're excited to be here, amen. God bless you guys. Amen, amen. Well, like she said, it's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Amen. This is my first time being here on a Sunday morning, um, so it feels great to be with family. Um, I thank God for my salvation. I thank God for saving me. How many are grateful they're saved this morning? Come on, somebody. How many are grateful you're in church this morning? We could be a whole lot of places right now. We should be in a different place right now, some of us. But we're here in church, and I thank God this morning, this afternoon, for my salvation. I thank God that, man, if I were to pass away right now, I'm going to heaven and not hell. And that's good enough reason for my salvation today. I thank God. I thank God for Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie, man, for this beautiful vision. There's nothing like Victory Outreach. I'll say it again. There's nothing like Victory Outreach. You're a part of something unique, something special. We're bigger than just the heart of the bay. We have family, and you've seen it this morning, a representation nations all over the world. And I thank God for our founders, for them being relentless in the call of God. They've been faithful, and just you can see God's hand upon their life throughout their journey, amen. And I want to thank your, pastor, your pastors as well for their invitation. Pastor Stevon was actually uh, my UTC director back in 2011, amen, right there at the West Coast. Him and his wife, Sister Chala, were directing the UTC there, and I went through the training center. I walked in not knowing what it was exactly. I just knew what the promo video was. And But, man, that was the greatest time of my life, amen, connecting to God and experiencing God in a whole new way. And, and ever since then, it feels like Pastor Stevon's just been a part of my life. He was there when I got married to my wife. He was there along the journey. He was there, and, and even when we took over the training center, we met with him, and he's just always been a part of my life, and I'm grateful for them, amen? And last but not least, I'm grateful for my wife. 
I'm grateful for my wife. Because serving God's a journey. And you don't always know what's around the corner on the journey. But as long as at the end of the day, you got a woman of God that's there. How many know that that's all that matters? And I thank God for her. She's on the journey with me. Amen? Well, I feel like preaching this morning. And I got a word in my heart. I've been praying for you guys. I've been praying for you guys. And even here just now, you feel there's something happening in the heart. And when you're in it, you're always not appreciating it. Because sometimes it becomes normal. Have you ever stared at a piece of paper for so long? And then fresh eyes look at it and they say, wow, look at that. But you, you didn't see that? Because it became ordinary? But as I was sitting there, I felt like something extraordinary wants to hit your church. God bless all 30 of you. But I feel like somebody's been praying for something new to happen. And I feel God stirring something in your city. Stirring something in the church that's going to overflow to your family. Somebody's been discouraged because you've seen other people's loved ones come in, but you haven't seen your own. But I feel like God's going to work some things out for you. I'm preaching faith this morning, and those that are catching it, you're saying, I'll take any word of faith I can get right now. I feel like some of you felt like your lives were falling apart, but God's falling them into place. I feel the anointing of God this morning. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to get into the word. Play behind me, and then we'll be good right thereafter. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. One verse, I'm not going to preach long. I'm not going to labor it. You feel God wants to move here this morning. I feel God's preparing you for that revival that's coming. Because I told my wife what I was preaching about on the way over here. And it was a word that's right in the vein with the theme of that revival. And I want to preach about freedom this morning. I want to talk a little bit about freedom. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17. One verse. Give me a big amen when you have it. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Let's read it one more time. Now the Lord is the spirit not emotion, not circumstance, not the report from the doctor, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them, walk in freedom. Look at the person behind you and tell them, walk in freedom. And look at the person you avoided this whole time and tell them, walk in freedom freedom. You may be seated this morning. Thank you. Walk in freedom. Now the Lord is the spirit. Here we see God establishing a point to you and I first and foremost. He's saying now first off, 
The Lord is a spirit. Just as Jesus is God, so is he the Holy Spirit. Now this morning, I'm not here to get into a theological debate on the Trinity, but the Bible establishes a common factor here to you and I. And the Holy Spirit is in fact very powerful in our lives. How many thank God for the Holy Spirit? You say, what's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, that's little thing that tells you, don't do it when you feel like doing something wrong. The Holy Spirit is that little voice in the back of your head when you didn't want to come to church that said, no, 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 go to church. The Holy Spirit is that little thing that when you're about to say something, it helps you catch your words. The Holy Spirit is that little thing that when we do something wrong, turn the wrong way, it says, turn back, move back. The Holy Spirit is that little thing that slows us down when we start moving too fast and we start getting religious. Talk to me, church. We got to be careful not to become too churchy. One thing I love about our ministry is we have a lot of church because we need a lot of church. We need church on Sunday, fellowship on Monday, life group on Tuesday, gang night on Wednesday, prayer night on Friday, discipleship on Saturday, and church again on Sunday. Come on, somebody. We do a lot of church in Victory Outreach. And I thank God for that. But sometimes I feel like it could work against us because church just becomes church. That's my parking spot. That's my seat. They know that's my seat. And when a newcomer sits in your seat, talk to me, church. We could become real churchy. But the Holy Spirit's that little thing that comes in when we start getting real churchy and starts to stir things a little bit. Because you and I, we can't become normal people in church. In fact, we're here because none of us are normal. I know you want to look at your neighbor, but don't look at them. Look at me. We're not, we're not the normal type of people. Talk to me. Some of us, the church down the street, would have looked at us a little crazy if we walked in the building. But we're a part of an unordinary ministry with a big vision. And the Holy Spirit helps keep us in line. So the Holy Spirit is vital to you and I. It keeps things fresh. It keeps things new. It keeps the word of God alive. We don't just read verses and read history. We read something that's alive and living. How many know that we still believe in the movement of the Holy Spirit? That's why we're a tongue talking, devil stopping. 
we still cast out demons. We're not your ordinary. We still have a little bit of radical in us because of the Holy Spirit. So God's establishing a point to you and I. Say he is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. This morning, you and I need to realize that wherever the spirit of the Lord is, is opportunity. Opportunity. I thank God for opportunity. In fact, opportunity is one of the greatest teachers. Because we know what it is to walk through opportunity. And some of us know what it is to miss opportunities. Opportunity can teach life lessons. Opportunity can teach the hard knock lessons. Opportunity teaches lessons that hurt a little bit sometimes in life. But did you know that when you and I gather in the spirit of the Lord, not only lies freedom, but there lies this powerful word that actually makes a difference, and it's called opportunity. Freedom is opportunity for you and I. Every time we gather in the house of God, every time we gather to hear the man of God preach, Every time we gather in the presence of the Lord, there is another opportunity for you and I to receive all that God has for us to receive. Because did you know that every time we come together, God's intention is to pour out something new? He's not thinking about what you're going to eat after church. He's thinking about the new thing he's trying to get into your life. And there's a lot of opportunity as we sit down and hear preaching after preaching and worship song after worship song and altar call after altar call and moment after moment. Those are opportunities for you and I to experience the new thing God wants to do. I thank God for what he's done already. I thank God for where I'm at today. Because some of us sitting here two years ago, we were praying for where we're at today. We were praying for the job that we have today. We were praying for our family to be restored back together. We were praying that we would just stay sober. We were praying that we would just keep a job. We were praying that we would just get involved in a ministry. And today, a lot of us are a lot better than what we were. And I'm grateful for that. But this morning, I have a lot more anticipation for what God's about to do within my life. Because I thank God for what he did. But what he's about to do is a lot bigger than what he did already. And what God's about to do for some of your lives is a lot bigger than what he did already. You see, freedom is not only opportunity, but some of the words associated with freedom is ability, power, privilege, right, liberty, unrestraint, and free reign. So when we look at the scripture this morning and say where the spirit of the Lord is, not only is there freedom, but where the spirit of the Lord is, there is ability. 
Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is power. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is unrestraint. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is free reign. So church, I got good news for you this morning, whether you want it or not. No matter where you may have found yourself this week, no matter what phone calls you got this week, no matter what message hit your Facebook messenger this week, no matter what your coworkers told you, no matter what your family told you, no matter what that gossiper that said, hey, I got to tell you something told you, no matter what may have happened this week, where you found yourself this week, no matter what you've been going through, no matter what report you got from the doctor, no matter what's happening in your household or in your family today, you ended up in church on this Sunday afternoon. And not only are you in church, but you are in the presence of the Lord. I'll say it again to a people that are grateful. You are in the presence of the Lord. You are in the spirit of the Lord. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's liberty. There's ability. There's power. There's unrestraint. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's miracle working power. Some of you are good. You don't need a miracle. Wave your hand at me if you do, though. Okay, I'll preach to you in the back. Your miracle is in the presence of the Lord. And you're sitting in the presence of the Lord. So that means you and I walked into an opportunity to break out of our routine, to break out of what the normal thing is on a Sunday afternoon, and step into the thing that God wants to do. Why? Because we're in opportunity. So we are not just sitting in church. We're sitting in opportunity this morning. What do you need from God this morning? What do you need from God this morning? What did you walk in this morning saying, God, I need you to meet this place. God, I need you to meet me where I'm at. God, I feel like my prayers are hitting a wall and coming back down. I feel like I read my word and I'm not getting nothing. I feel like I've been hearing the preaching, but they've not been hitting home. I feel like I've been making the altar calls and walking back to my car and being the same person that I was when I walked into the church. The only difference is I have a little less faith because I feel like God's not meeting me at the point of my need. What did you walk in needing this morning? Because God came to bring opportunity. You see, one thing you and I must realize about freedom in Christ is that our freedom is not dictated by our surroundings. Our freedom is not dictated by our surroundings. Our freedom in Christ is not dictated by circumstance. It's not dictated by the job we have. It's not dictated by your boss. It's not dictated by your family. It's not dictated by the season you're in. The enemy has no authority to take your freedom in Christ. 
I'll say it again. Some of you didn't even want to clap at that because you felt stuck where you're at. But did you know that the devil has no authority? That means even though he wants to, he can't. Even though he wants to kill you, the Lord has the last say. Even though he wants to rip the last shred of hope out of your life, he can't do it. The devil can't take your freedom. He can only make you feel stuck. He can only make you feel the emotion of being stuck. But he can't take your freedom. He can't take your freedom. You're going to tell me that the enemy has more power than what God did on the cross by sending his son to die for you and I? You see, that's amazing to me how sometimes the enemy can lie to us so much that we come into church and we don't even clap. We're just staring at the worship team. I don't like this song. I sang that song last week. I don't like who's sitting next to me, so I'm not going to clap today. I dare the preacher to tell me to clap. I'm going to look at him, pull my phone out, and I'm going to text during the sermon. Come on. So sometimes the enemy can wrap us up so much to make us think that we have no power and no ability and nothing left in us. But I'm here to tell you this morning that when we're weak, it's okay to be weak. Society says you can't be weak. The nature says we got to stay strong all the time. But in the things of God, it's okay to be weak. Because when we're weak, you're getting it. We're, we're, we're 70% there this morning. When we're weak, he's strong. When we got a little bit, he got a lot. When we got nothing left, he can fill us up. It's okay to be weak when we walk in the church because by the time we leave the doors, God's going to fill us up. He's going to touch our life. Why? Because when we're weak, he's strong. He can't take our freedom. He can't take our joy. So you that said, man, devil took my joy. Devil can't take your joy. You gave up your joy. You set down your joy. I know you're saying nothing's going to stop your praise, but that little thing stopped your praise. The devil didn't take your praise. You gave it up and sat down on it. He can't take what God already gave us. He can't take what God placed inside of us. When I think of freedom through any circumstance, I think of two mighty men of God by the name of Paul and Silas in the book of Acts. In Acts 16, you'll find an account of Paul and Silas walking to a place of prayer along a journey. Walking along this journey, doing what God's called them to do, being the best they can be for God. Just wanting to fulfill the call of God. Just wanting to be a disciple of Christ. Walking along this journey when all of a sudden they're met by a woman. And the Bible says she had a spirit in her. 
And as they're walking along, this woman began to shout at them. And she began to speak into them and say, look at these two. Look at these. And they began, she began to antagonize them. And she began to yell at them. The woman began following them and yelling at them for the Bible says for many days. She followed them to the point to where finally Paul got a little frustrated. He got a little frustrated at the enemy. He got a little frustrated about his circumstance and what was happening around him. He got so frustrated that Acts 16, 18 says, finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at the moment, the spirit left her. Now when that happened, we know the story. Wave your hand at me if you heard it. This woman, the spirit she had, caused her to tell fortunes. She was a fortune teller. So she would tell fortunes to people, and she had masters. She was a slave. And when the spirit left her body, the Bible describes, and I'm going through for the sake of time, that the masters got upset because the one thing that was making money for them now left her body. So they couldn't get any profit off of her anymore. So they looked at Paul and Silas and said, you're the one that did it. You're guilty. So all of a sudden, Paul and Silas, on their journey with Christ, find themselves in a prison cell. They find themselves in a prison cell when they were just trying to fulfill the call of God. Two men of God, servants of God, followers of Christ. Now they find themselves bound by chains in a dark place. Have you ever felt like you were a little stuck in a dark place? Have you ever felt like you're in a room full of people, but you're isolated? Have you ever felt like you're smiling and saying, praise the Lord, amen, how are you? I'm blessed, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. But on the inside, it's a little dark, and it's a little lonely, and you feel like you're bound. You feel like you're stuck. You feel like you just can't shake this oppression off of you. You feel like you just can't get your breakthrough. You feel like you can't keep a win. You get a victory and then another storm comes and you find yourself right back in that dark. You can get there sometimes. I know that we think that once we serve God, it's all good from there, and we float, and we levitate, and everything's good, and a little dove flies down and lands on our shoulder, and we talk with Jesus. So, no, 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 it gets dark sometimes. It gets a little lonely sometimes. You feel a little 
isolated sometimes. You find yourself in some places where you just wake up one day and say, how did I get here? I remember when my prayer life was where it needed to be. How did I get here? I remember when God spoke to me at that mighty men of valor in that woman's convention and that leadership retreat and that world conference and he gave me vision and he gave me anointing and he gave me power but today I feel stuck. I remember when God promised me my children but they're just getting worse and I feel the enemy saying where is your God now and I feel stuck. I remember coming to the altar for my miracle. But now the reports say I'm getting worse. And I feel stuck. They're fulfilling the call of God. And they found themselves stuck in a prison cell. They found themselves in a dark place. They were just following the will of God. When all of a sudden, the enemy brings in opposition. Next thing we know, they're in a dark, isolated place. But even in the darkest hour. But even in the darkest hour. This is what I love about serving God. Is that even when the enemy's throwing every demon in hell at your doorstep. There's always this little thing called opportunity. You see, because where the spirit of the Lord is, and as long as you find yourselves in the covering of your salvation, I'm here to tell you, you carry the spirit of the Lord. I know we feel it a lot stronger here in church because we're gathered together, but it's not dictated by the sanctuary. In fact, I think if Jesus were to be walking the earth today, he wouldn't be here with us. You'd feel his spirit a lot stronger in the street because he wasn't dictated by a place. But every time we're going through opposition and every time we find ourselves in a place, a dark place, an isolated place, the enemy could take a whole lot of things, but he can't take away the opportunity. You see, Paul and Silas lost their freedom to walk around. They lost their freedom of sunlight. They lost everything that they were experiencing. But one thing they still had was opportunity. So here it is in the midnight hour, otherwise known as the darkest hour. Have you ever felt like things were going bad and then it gets worse? And you say, how much worse can it get? And you get another phone call. You fix your car and put everything you got into it. And something else goes out on it. Finances are getting hit. Marriage is getting hit. Then the enemy knows that he's not getting through to your spirit. So he starts attacking your children. And hitting your junior higher and hitting your high schooler, and hitting those children in elementary school, and all of a sudden, your teens are dealing with depression. 
and all of a sudden they're fighting battles that you can't fight for them, you feel stuck. But even in the darkest hour, Paul and Silas had an opportunity. And they took the opportunity. You see, when things are bad, we have two choices. Either sit in it or say, how are we going to get out of this? When we find ourselves stuck, that's why it's so easy that people want to pull people into it and have pity parties and, hey, this is what I'm going through, and they hurt me, and they don't understand, and they're just against me, and they don't want me to succeed, and it's this and it's that. We try to pull people in, but it's the ones that say, hey, I'm going through this, and I need a way out. Can you give me some counsel? Can you pray for me? Tell me what I got to do. Can you pray with me? Can you talk about my marriage? Can you help me get out? It's those that see opportunity and say, how am I going to get out of this? You see, Paul was a thinker. He said, okay, we're stuck. But we have opportunity. He was together with another man of God. And he was, I can guarantee you, don't worry, Silas. Even though he was probably worrying, talk to me. God will come through. You sure? I don't know. I mean, yes, yes, God will come through. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Talk to me. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why he's doing it, but, but he's going to do something. So in the midnight hour, the darkest hour, verse 25 says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. He said, well, since we're here in a dark place, we might as well pray a little bit. It's just us and God. Sometimes God will isolate us in a dark place to where you have nobody else around you. You see, the thing is, when life hits us, we tend to look for the first resource that can pull us out. Talk to me. That's why you Facebooked it before you prayed about it. Come on, somebody. Keep me in prayer. I'm going through this, but you didn't even pray about it. You just wanted to put it on Facebook and share it and like it if you're going to pray for me and give me a thumbs up once you do. That's why we go to every resource we got. But sometimes God will put us in a place where we have no more resources. That's why they didn't answer the phone. That's why when you went by their house, they weren't there. That's why when you told your leader, they said, brother, you just need to pray. Because sometimes God will put us in a place where it's just us and God. And Paul said, right now, all we got is us and God. So let's pray, Silas. And let's sing some songs. Let's sing some songs about how faithful our God is. Let's sing some songs about how good our God is. Let's sing some God songs about how God touched us and 
made me whole, even though I'm stuck in sickness and, and I got pain in my body, but I'm singing that he made me whole and, and he touched my body and, and he healed my mind and, and he picked me up out of my pit and he picked me up out of my... He said, let's speak a little bit of faith. There's a whole lot of darkness around us, but let's take this opportunity to start speaking some faith and start praying some faith and start speaking some things into existence. God, I don't see it, but you're working it out. God, they're getting worse. Oh, but I see my children saved. I see them sitting next to me. I see them in the home. I see them in the home. God, you're working it out. I see the city with my name on it. Though I'm going to hell and high water, I see the vision you gave me for my life, even though all I can see is a dark place in front of me. Oh, he took an opportunity. He said, God, I'll praise you in this opportunity. God loves when we praise out of faith. Oh, it's easy to praise him for what you see. But when you begin to praise him for what you don't see, when you begin to praise him for what you can't even imagine, when you begin to pray for what you can't even fathom, for what you begin to believe for when you can't even see it, when you begin to believe for your ministry to multiply to 30 and 50 and 75, but all you see right now is the five faithful. When you begin to see it before it happens and begin to speak life into it, oh, God loves a faith that can speak it into existence and say, God, I see it happening even though I'm in a dark place. So you know what happened? They got God's attention. They got God's attention. All of a sudden, God hears two men singing songs in a dark place. And in that midnight hour with their freedom, they chose to sing a song. Not a sad song. Not a poor me song. Not that oldie from the good old days song, but they began to sing a song of praise and worship with their eyes not fixed on the darkness around them, but fixed on Jesus because they had freedom to do so. Because nothing could take the praise from our lips. We can only stop the praise from our lips. Nothing could take your clap. We can only cease to clap. The enemy can't steal your worship from God. We can only choose not to worship God. Isn't it amazing how the enemy can say, how dare you worship God when you're going through this and you're going through that and you committed this sin and you committed that sin like worship has to do with us anyway. He gets us so sideways like it's about us. But he can't take our worship. So Acts 16, 25 says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Isn't that powerful? I'm going to preach to the leadership for a second. You know that when you're in trials, you're on center stage? Listen, fathers and mothers, when you're going through trial, you're on center stage and your family's listening to you. Leaders, your disciples are listening to you. 
Not what comes from here. What comes from your dark place. Paul and Silas in their dark hour begin to worship and the other prisoners are listening to them. Saying, hey, you know those two men of God that were preaching the gospel? They're in prison with us. Where's their God at now? Who did they think they were? All of a sudden. All of a sudden they want to be a pastor. All of a sudden they want to be a minister. All of a sudden they want to be used in ministry. Look at them now. Let's see what they do. Let's see their reaction. Let's see how they handle it. Let's see who their God really is. But all of a sudden, they didn't hear complaining from Paul and Silas. They didn't hear frustration out of them. They heard a praise begin to erupt in that little cell. So about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, that could preach, huh, Pastor? Talk to me. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation, the foundation of the prison was shaken. And the Bible says, at once, all the prison doors flew open. And everyone's chains came loose. When you're in your dark season, you're not just fighting for yourself. You're fighting for your family. In your dark season, you're not just fighting for yourself. You're fighting for your ministry. In your dark season, you're not just fighting for where you're at. You're fighting for what God's trying to take you. You're fighting for the city that you haven't even stepped foot in yet. You're fighting for the people that you haven't even seen with your eyes yet. You're fighting for the vision that God hasn't even dropped in your heart yet. You're not just fighting for where you're at. You're fighting for where God's trying to take you. Oh, it's in the dark place where you fight a battle for not just what you see in front of you. It's for what you're about to walk into. Some of you gods been finding you in that dark place and the enemy's been lying to you and saying that's it. If you don't hear from God, leave that church. You're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. You need to find a new church. But no, no, no. The enemy's trying to distract you because he don't want you. He wants your territory. Because not just Paul and Silas's chains came off. It wasn't just for them. In fact, I'll say it wasn't even for them in the first place. That's heavy. I feel the anointing of God because somebody fought battles for you and it wasn't even their battle. They fought it for you. Somebody was interceding in the midnight hour and they weren't praying for God to bless them. They were praying that you would get off of drugs. Somebody was fasting for you 
And they weren't just dying to sell for a new car. They were praying that your family would get back together. It's in the midnight hour, in the dark place, where it's not even about us. It's about our future. It's about our family. It's about the people that God wants to use us to. It's not even our battle. The battle is the Lord's. He's just trying to get a vessel that he can work it through. It's not about you. It was never about us. It was never about Paul and Silas. But the prisoners were listening. The captive were listening. Church, heart of the bay, is listening. Oh, the neighborhood is listening. The young adults, they're listening. And let us not be the ones that lets their ears hear negativity and doubt and lack of faith and gossip and all that stuff that the devil tried. Let them hear a praise out of your lips when nothing's going good. It's easy to praise God when we got money in our pocket, but let them hear a praise when we're going through financial difficulties. Let them hear a praise when we got no gas in the car. Let them hear a praise when we're going through rocky times. Let them hear a praise when the dark hour keyboard come help me I'm gonna close when we have freedom we have opportunity stand with me I'm done for three things one we have opportunity what opportunity is it one freedom to obey we have freedom to obey like that song said this morning, with all my heart, I will obey. We have freedom to obey. Paul was on that journey because he was obeying the call of God for his life. And when he found himself in a dark place, he was still obeying. Number two, we have freedom to access. In prison, Paul didn't just wait on God. He chose to access what? The presence of God. Something happens when you just sit there and you say, Jesus. You know, when you can't even pray, have you ever been all prayed out? You can't even muster the words, I believe, anymore. I'm talking about life. Life. You know when life just hits? But we have freedom to access the presence of God. Oh, Jesus is there. When you don't feel him, he's there. That was somebody's word. You came for that. Oh, he didn't leave you. He didn't leave you. Oh, in those moments, he's there. 
and we have freedom to access what his presence three freedom to receive freedom to receive as the praise and prayers of Paul and Silas went up the Holy Spirit fell and he received it he received it some of you the enemy has been robbing you blind because his presence has been falling and you haven't been receiving it you say that's impossible brother as you know no it's very much possible it's very much possible that's why people come in to church and leave the same way you're going to tell me that when God entered the room the same God that opened blind eyes that with the speaking of Lazarus name brought him back from that that same God can enter a room and we leave unchanged it's not his spirit we don't receive it because some of us feel unworthy and somebody feels here today that you're getting what you deserve that's why you're getting a less than life but I hear I came here this morning to shut the mouth of the enemy right now and say that it can get better for you not just the preacher but for you oh God can do it for you too you don't got to keep backsliding he can't break a drug addiction. He can't break depression off of your household. Some of you have been battling depression. I came to bind that spirit off of you this morning and tell you if you receive it, some of you are going to walk up with your head held high. Oh, some of you are going to get a smile on your face and it's not going to be fake. It's going to be the joy of the Lord that hits your soul, that hits your spirit, that hits your household. Why? Because God's given you freedom to receive. The anointing's here. Freedom's here. Freedom's here. The power and the anointing of God is here this morning. Can we lift our hands? Can we lift our hands? And why don't you call it down for a moment and say, oh God, do it for me. Do it for me. Do it for me. Do it for me this morning. Oh, the Spirit of God is here. Church, I want to pray for you. Come. Come quickly. Come quickly. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Quickly. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The freedom of God is here. Something's going to hit you this morning. 